The last couple weeks, so the last month, we've been uh, talking about the book of Judges on Sunday nights um, in youth group. And uh, if you haven't read Judges in a while, it's kind of a crazy book. Uh, I remember uh, about a month ago or two months ago, my Bible reading plan was coming into Judges, and I thought, oh, this will be a good thing to do for, uh, for youth group. So I read through all that from my Bible reading plan, and then I read through it all again so I could write lessons. And, and then I decided, you know what? All this stuff was pretty good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep talking about this on, on Sunday morning. And so I read it uh, another time, all, all in a really quick span. And, you know, reading the book of Judges that many times in a row kind of does something to you. I mean, there's a lot of dark stuff in there, um, really some disturbing, horrific stuff. Um, I mean, there's assassination, there's mass murder, child sacrifice. There's even a civil war. Uh, and most of those things, believe it or not, are done by the judges who are supposed to be the heroes of the story, um, or it seems like that, or it's sometimes taught that way, that they're the heroes. Um, but the story of Judges, it's a cycle. And the author meant to write it in a way where it's just steadily getting worse as you go through the book. And, and it always starts um, uh, with Israel sinning against God and God uh, handing them over to another nation. And then Israel cries out for God, and, and God appoints a judge among them to save them. And then a few decades later, it all happens again. And these judges are generally, they're social outcasts for one reason or another. And and against all odds, they defeat the nation oppressing Israel through deception, military might, and usually a lot of help from God. And most of these judges are described as being empowered by God's spirit to perform great feats, even miracles some of the time. And as you get later into the book of Judges, it it almost seems like this miraculous power that God is giving them is just getting greater and greater and greater. And, And the people that he's giving it to are just getting worse and worse. And you look at the stories of Gideon and Jephthah and Samson, I mean, if you actually read through them, I mean, they are a mess. Um, and it makes you wonder, why is God using these people to lead his people? Why, why do these people get to do these huge miracles? And I'm sure some of you, um, at one point of your life or another, you've had a desire to do something big for God, to do some big thing for God, to, to fight for change in the world, to, to end racism, human trafficking, to end world hunger. I mean, to just go out in the world and, you know, just punch the devil in the face. Like you just got that fire in your bones and you want to do something big, um, to have God work a miracle through your life. And when you see these judges who are given this crazy power, I mean, all I can think is like, hey God, uh, I see you did a miracle through Jephthah over there, and I know I'm not perfect, but I haven't done any child sacrifice recently, so, you know, you want to help, help a guy out? Like, if you're just handing it out, just, you know, why, why don't you give it to me? Um, I mean, if you read the story of Samson, I mean, all I can think is like, God, if you gave me that power, hope, hopefully I, I wouldn't be that dumb and, and mess it up that much, right? Like, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not, unlike Gideon, I didn't go kill an entire village last time I was hangry. Um, so why is God giving his spirit out to all these, these people who, so they can do these rescues, but, but they just go on the back end and they just screw everything up? I mean, it seems like they're just messing it up over and over and over again. 
Well, as I read through the book of Judges, um, as I read through it the past month, uh, there were three truths that really kind of became increasingly clear about the people of Israel in that time. Some needs that they had, some things that were true about them. And the first is that they needed a leader. Uh, The second is that they were saved by their big actions. And the third is that they were changed by their little actions. Uh, And and while those things were true for Israel then, I think those truths still hold a a lot of truth and relevance for us now as Christ followers. Uh, So I want to start with that first one and and talk about it and and what it means for us. So that first one is uh, the people of Israel, they needed a leader. Well, actually, they had a leader. Um, God was their leader. God was their king. Uh, they, they just struggled to follow him. Uh, they had this law, and they knew how they were supposed to follow their king. They just didn't. So God would let other kings and other nations take over, and, and then Israel would turn to God and ask for help. So God would send a judge to save them, and usually that judge would then take a role of leadership until they died. And sometimes the people would try to make them king so that once that judge died, there would still be an established leadership uh, there in Israel that that they knew who would be leading them after that. Um, But luckily, the, the judges always turned it down. And I say luckily because the judges were generally pretty bad leaders. If you've noticed in the judges cycle, Israel has like two main problems that, are, that keep coming up over and over again. And the first is that they failed to follow God's law. That's, that's the first main problem. And the second is that they were taken over by other nations. The judges usually only solved that second problem. They came in, they freed them from the other nations, and sometimes, granted, there were some judges that did lead uh, Israel back to following God. Um, but usually, it didn't work out that way. And Israel was left in the same uh, place, not changing and getting into the same situation over and over again. It didn't fix anything in the long run. Um, they were bad leaders because they failed to pass on the importance and discipline of following God to others. The judges, they, they, once they died, it just kind of ended with them. And if they had become king, their descendants, who they failed to teach, would have been put in a permanent place of power. And Israel would still have the same problem, failing to follow God's law. And I think there's something we can learn about being human from this. It's so much easier uh, for us to follow a leader uh, that we can imitate, that we can look at and, and try to, to follow exactly and, and see what they're doing and, and try to bring it into our own lives. As long as Israel had a living judge um, that was leading them and f- that they could follow, uh, so that they could follow God, as long as they, could, as they were living, they did pretty well. Um, it would say that the judge freed them and then they had peace for 40 years. So the judge freed them and they had peace for 20 years and they do pretty good. Um, when I was in high school, I did the musical every year, um, and, and when it came to the singing and the acting, I was generally pretty confident, maybe a little bit too confident, but I felt pretty good about myself. But when it came to the dancing, I was always kind of a mess. Like, I was not good at the dancing. I was not good at doing the dance moves, and I was not good at remembering the dance moves. And it was a struggle for me. But I found that whenever the choreographer was up in front of us and, and showing us exactly what to do, I was a lot better at it. I could, just, I could follow exactly what they were doing. I, I, could, I could see what they were doing, and I could, I could do it. And, and actually, not only 
was I better, but everyone was better. We all did a lot better whenever we could just see what they were doing right in front of us and, and, and follow them. And I think that's true of everything we do. Uh, no matter what you're doing, it's helpful to see another person doing what you're trying to do, right? I mean, that's why there's so many uh, tutorials on YouTube and why we, we, you can look on there and, and why it's even then more important than YouTube. It's, it's so good whenever you have someone right there showing you how to do something. I mean, it's the, that's the best way to learn, right? Is you can watch somebody do it so that you can learn. Um, But there's this phrase that's repeated several times throughout Judges, and it's actually the last thing that's said in the whole book. And there's a reason for that, and it's because the author wants this. He's saying this is like one of the main things, main things you want to take away. He's highlighting this. And he says it over and over again. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They did what they saw was right. So Israel not only needed a leader, They needed a leader that they could see, that they could watch and follow, a leader that they could imitate. And that's true for them, and that's true for us as well. And the good news for us is that we have a king, we have a leader, and that good king is Jesus, and he is our perfect example. And we can look at his life, and we can imitate it. The question is, Uh, Beyond that, a lot of us can agree, yes, I want to imitate and become more like Jesus. But the question for us is, who else are we trying to imitate? Um, And are we even aware of all the people maybe that we try to imitate throughout our day? Uh, Because you are giving those people a place of leadership in your life. So maybe think, is there someone in in sports or in entertainment that that you look up to and and you see them do something, you want to do that? Or maybe it's it's more personal in your life. It's it's someone at work or someone uh, at school or or just out and about, maybe in your neighborhood, and you see something that they're doing and and you you think, man, I want to be like that, or I want to have that, or buy that, or, or, you know, act that way. And, And it may not even be a conscious thing, but subconsciously you're trying to imitate them. And we can't, sometimes we're not even aware of it. And, and you're giving that person leadership over your life, whether you know it or not. So we have to ask ourselves, like, do, you, do I have anyone in my life that, that tries to point me to, to imitate Jesus, to, to imitate the way that Jesus lived? And how much am I, time am I giving that person? Like, am I giving them the right amount of time over other people that I'm trying to imitate? And I think it's always a good question for us to, to question who's leading us, who, who's, who are my leaders, um, who am I imitating? And, and to say to that, I'm not just going to imitate what I see, but to take control over who I'm putting in front of me, who, the person that I'm going to, to watch and look at, uh, to take control of who I'm going to try and imitate. And I think that goes on to the second truth um, about that we get from the story of Judges, which is that Israel was saved by its big actions. They were saved by the assassinations of kings. They were saved by Gideon's army of 300 defeating an army of 135,000. They were saved by the strength of Samson killing thousands of Philistines single-handedly. And I could go on and on. Pretty much every judge does something big that greatly impacts the next generation. Uh, but... I don't, and I don't want to diminish how important those acts are. I mean, those big acts were super important. And I know I started out dogging on the judges, um, but there's something to be said about their faith. For all the bad things that the judges do throughout their stories, they can be great examples of putting faith 
in God when it would be really hard to put your faith in God. Some of the time, it took a little nudging from God to get to the point where they were actually putting their faith in him. Uh, he usually had to put his faith in them first. Um, but eventually, they, they all got to a point where they were going to put their faith in God. Uh, and God makes sure that their faith, that he that pays off. And, and he uses them to do something big to save his people. And like I said before, um, there's probably some people in here who... who have had a desire at some point to do something big for God. And as long as you can separate your pride from that, that is a good thing to want to do those, those big things for God. Like it's good to have that, that fire in your bones, like want to go out and change stuff. Um, and whether that's your desire or not, it's important to know that for the judges, it all started with an absurd amount of faith in God. And the church needs people that, that desire to do the big things because sometimes that's what it takes. I mean, if the judges never came along to save Israel, um, then, then they, they, they wouldn't have happened. Like, they needed someone to come and do the things that they did um, because the big actions are sometimes what it takes to get you out of a situation. And, and this is the same thing with the church. We need people who are willing to speak out boldly, to ask important questions, to, to do the things that, that matter, that will make changes that will impact the next generation. But when you look at the story of Judges, remember that the big actions don't solve all of Israel's problems. The big actions save them from their situation, uh, but they don't change the people, right? A few summers ago, I got to work at a church camp, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but one of my duties was I had to be a lifeguard. And uh, every day, I'd go out there and sit, and, and I made two saves the whole summer, and they were on the same day with the same kid. Uh, the whole summer, that's this all I did, um, but I sat out there every day, you know, faithful. Um, and, and I remember uh, with this kid, he was a little kid, like probably like this tall, like barely first grade, like he was, he was a little kid. And uh, he was, he, he wanted to go down the slide, there was a slide, all the kids liked the slide. And so he goes down the slide, and I see him come down, and, he, and he's, he's kind of struggling, like bobbing up and down. It's a four-foot pool, like I think if the deepest it gets is like five feet, so it wasn't like that big of a deal, but he's, you know, he's, he's tiny, and he's trying to, I see him bobbing up and down, and eventually he goes under, and so I'm like, okay, so I jump in there, I get to blow my whistle, and, and I, I mean, he's this far from the edge, and I just pick him up, and you know, he grabs the edge, and he, and he says, ah, oh, like, I, I came down, and uh, they got the breath knocked out of me. Like, I usually, like, it's usually okay. And I say, okay, well, why don't you go outside of the pool or go sit in this shallow end, and, and you'll be good for a little bit, and, and then you can come back in when you're feeling better. Well, I go and sit down, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself, you know? Like, oh, man, I got to save somebody. And then a few minutes later, I see him come in and gets on the slide and goes down, and this time just... <laughs> Just straight to the bottom, doesn't even bob, like it, he doesn't swim, swim at all, and, and that's when the truth comes out, like I jump in, get him out, and I, and I learn, oh, he can't swim, he says, sorry, I can't swim, I've never learned, I don't know how, um, and it was important that I jumped in and saved him, right, like I needed to jump in and save him, and it was big, and it was exciting, like I got to blow my whistle, take off my fanny pack, you know, jump in, like it was great, um, but, uh, but I remember, like, if I, if I just kept saving him, I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't learn anything. It would, I would just have to keep saving him over and over again unless he learned how to swim, right? Nothing would change. And I think that's the same for Israel, too, in their situation with the judges. I mean, they needed to be saved. And it took some big, miraculous actions for those things to happen. But the, those did 
nothing to solve the problem that got them into that mess in the first place. Big actions may have saved Israel, but they don't teach them how to follow God's law. I mean, Israel, they always had lifeguards, but no one was teaching them how to swim. And unless something changed, they were always going to sink. And that's true for Israel, that's true for them, but that's, that's also true for us. And, and that goes on to the, the last truth, which is uh, the third truth. Israel is changed by little actions. I described the story of judges earlier as, as a cycle. But maybe a better description would be a downward spiral um, as you go through the book. Because it just keeps getting worse. And like I said, the author of the book is trying to communicate a lot of things. But one of the main things is that is the brokenness of the human condition. Just how we are, things are going to get worse if we do things the way we see is right. At the end of the book of Joshua, which is the book right before Judges, um, Israel is supposed to have removed all the, the people who follow other gods from the land uh, so that there's no influences, uh, outside influences, leading them the other way. Um, but we learned that they didn't. Uh, if you read Joshua all the way through, it can kind of come as a surprise because you'll read Joshua and the whole way through it's saying that Israel's, uh, you know, they, they killed everyone and they got ri- rid of everyone because that was what was going on. But then you get to the end of the book and it says that that didn't happen, that they actually left a lot of people alive and that there are Canaanites living throughout the entire land. Uh, that It may have been an exaggeration how, uh, like, fully their uh, victory actually was, um, that, that their neighbors are these Canaanites that are following other gods, that are living in a different culture. And Judges is showing how Israel is slowly just becoming just like their neighbors. And every story, like I said, just gets worse and worse. And it doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, they are seeing God do these big rescues. You'd think that after like one or two, they'd get the picture like, oh, God's, you know, working for us. Like maybe we should live for God. Um, I mean, even Gideon, he flat out asks God to prove that he's real three times. Like it takes three times for God to to do something for him to actually believe him and, and know that God is on his side. And at the end of Gideon's life, he still fails to, to follow God in the end. And even with all that, Israel finds itself more influenced by the people that they're living with. They find it easier to imitate the people that are in their everyday lives. Uh, they don't turn away from God from one big decision, but from a million tiny little decisions every day. And this brings us to a truth, not only about Israel, but about all of us. We are changed by our little actions, by the little things we do every day, by our normal routines and our daily decisions, for better or for worse. You either spend the night uh, getting close to your family or working overtime to, to meet your definition of success. You're either honest with your spouse or you keep telling little lies because, you know, they just won't understand. Uh, You either work to better control your tongue or you talk badly about someone that you're supposed to love, whether that's a friend or a family member or even someone that you don't like that much. You, You either learn to swim or you rush to go down the slide one more time just to sink again and again. You see, as Christians, we know that we are saved from the consequences of our sin by Jesus. And that is something to be forever grateful for. But it's no excuse for us to get lazy. 
Jesus says that here. And, and I'm not saying that we can work ourselves into salvation. That's not what I'm saying at all. But, but there's, some, there's more to following Jesus than just being saved. It's supposed to change you. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So, uh, if you're taking notes, here's a good list for you. Uh, Two lists here. The first, you can write in the header, you can say, things that won't get you into heaven. And you put a line under there, and you can say, prophesying in the name of Jesus. Nope. Casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Nope. Doing mighty works in the name of Jesus. Nope. That won't get you into heaven. All right, and then the next list Things that will get you into heaven. Doing the will of God. And you may be thinking, what's the difference there? I mean, can't those be the same? And yeah, they can be the same. Um, But I think the importance is doing those big, mighty works. The the prophesying, the casting out demons, doing mighty works. They don't change how you live. Uh, But doing the will of God, that's what it's about. Changing how you live. It changes everything about you. Following Jesus will change everything every part of your life or it should right right down to the very little things you do every day the book of judges uh, is one of my favorite books um, because it is one of the old testament books that for me clearly points to jesus not because uh, there are any really great examples in it uh, but because there is an extreme need for him Uh, There's a Jesus-shaped hole right in the middle of all of these stories. And and we have that same hole in the middle of all of our stories, too. Uh, We we need a leader. We need need someone to follow. And there's no better king to follow or or to try and imitate than Jesus, right? And, And we need to be saved. And Jesus is Savior extraordinaire. We need to be changed And everything Jesus taught was how to live the good life here on earth. To become that that new human. And he lived it. And and all we have to do is follow him. And it starts with the little things, right? With the rhythms that we make important in our lives. Uh, It starts with, with, you know, just saying, I'm I'm going to put my foot down and say that this is important. And one of the important rhythms that we have here in the church is communion, where we take time to remember Jesus. When we put the person that we're all trying to become more like, the person we're trying to imitate, we put him right at the forefront of our minds for a little bit. And we do it together. Let's remember him today.